You're listening to the Tenuto Podcast, presented by 4th Street Records. I'm your host, Kevin Lynch, and here we go! Alright, and welcome back to another episode of the Tenuto Podcast on this special Halloween night. Yes, I'm getting an episode out there to you guys because you deserve it. And I have been getting a lot of requests for episodes. Um, So I am delivering. I got us a spectacular interview with the amazing Kelly Ralston. She is a middle school strings director at H.H. Poole Middle School in Virginia. And I cannot say enough good things about Kelly Ralston. I was so, so happy when she said she would come on the show. Um, Over the weekend... I had a little Halloween party at at the house I live in. Me and my roommates threw a Halloween party, and Kelly showed up. So I'm I'm pretty good friends with Kelly. She showed up with a costume um, that'll probably blow you away. She was wearing a prisoner suit and a headband with a quarter rest on it, and her her thing was under arrest. So. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, she's an amazing teacher. She's going into her, this is her third year now. Uh, and she, she talks about the things she's doing now that she wishes she was doing earlier and the adjustments she's made as she's gone on to, into teaching. Uh, really, really, really cool stuff. I think every music teacher will learn something from this, not just orchestra directors. Um, so here we go. This is Kelly Ralston. Kelly Ralston here, the orchestra director at H.H. Poole Middle School. Kelly, it's a privilege to have you on the show. I'm so lucky to be here. Thanks for having me, Kevin. So, this year must be so much better for you than last year, because now you're at one school instead of two, and I kind of deal with that right now where I'm at two schools. Can you kind of just tell me the, the biggest difference between being at two schools compared to being at one um, first of all, I really love being at one school, and when you when you finally get your own program, Kevin, it's going to be a world of a difference. Um, the biggest difference is is more mental than anything else. It's like you can figure out how to organize yourself between two different schools. You can figure out how to organize, you know, two sets of stuff, two sets of instruments. But just the mental um, preparation when you're only having to work with one group of students instead of two. I think is the biggest difference. Um, uh, when I was working at two schools, I had a middle school and a high school, so I was having to cater to a variety of age groups during the day. I know you're all with the same group, um, but having to go from very beginners who don't know even how, know how to hold the instruments, and then to working with you know seniors in high school on on yeah, phrasing sure. and other musical things is just it messes with your head a little bit. Um, yeah, but I really love being at, at one school and just being able to focus on a, a limited amount of students and a limited amount of techniques yeah. and classes. Sure. But I, I'm sure last year, being at the high school and the middle school mm-hmm. was probably helpful to for recruiting and, and maintaining your kids because they had you another year. Absolutely. And I'm not saying that I didn't like being at two schools. It is very different. Um, and there were absolutely pros to being at two schools, like 
having knowing that uh, my eighth grade students would become my freshmen the next year at the at the other school was helpful yeah so how do you recruit for your middle school program now is there anything you do in particular yes so every spring the elementary schools come to visit hh pool middle school and we put on a concert for them um, so I have, you know, my best orchestra students perform uh, pieces and songs that they love to play. And usually they're not our typical, like, assessment pieces right. yeah. or our spring concert stuff. It's a little bit more fun. So this past year we did um, a medley of rock tunes. It was like Another One Bites the Dust and We Will Rock You. Uh-huh. And we had electric instruments. And oh, you, get the, you get the kids really jazzed up and, and get them to think about orchestra in a different way instead of, you know, just the, the stuffy classical music kind of thing. There's, there's different um, styles that you can play in orchestra. So getting the kids exposed to those was really neat. Um, and I had each of my students um, introduce their instruments. So getting the elementary schools, the rising sixth graders, familiar with the different kinds of instruments and the different kinds of sounds they could make. Um, so was really important. You, how, how did you go about showing them each instrument? Um, I had each each instrument section. So the, the violins all oh. did something together. The violas all did something together. Cellos did something. Basses did something. And they all picked a, a tune that they really liked. Um, you know, something that they knew on the radio or um, something that was stuck in their head. And they learned how to play it by ear. And then they performed it, and then we had the uh, the elementary school kids guess what song it was, oh, which is really awesome. neat, and they had a lot of fun doing that. So. Cool. Okay, so I'm like dying to hear about. For the past two years, uh, our county has had this Mark Wood experience mm-hmm. that you brought here. Yes. Like this is your third year teaching, yes. and the past two years you brought Mark Wood here, mm-hmm. got kids really excited about orchestra, mm-hmm. so much that like the two band directors I work with were afraid orchestra was going <laughs> to take over and we were going to lose our jobs. So can you tell me what that experience is and like what it's about and why it's so successful? Yes. Um, so Mark Wood is one of the founding electric violinists of the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. So he has a huge career in... Um, playing in an orchestra, but with rock music. Um, and he started this program called Electrify Your Strings 15 or 16 years ago, I think. And he does it, uh, brings it to all these schools throughout the country and does a workshop with them. He works on, you know, classic rock songs from, you know, the 70s uh, all the way up till music from now. You know, it's like Led Zeppelin, The Beatles, all these kinds of awesome um, songs that people know, the kids know, their parents know, everybody loves them. And he arranges them to make them easy for the kids to play. Um, and then, you know, layers them with drum tracks and, and awesome bass lines. And you just get this massive group of students from across the county. I think we had 300 was our biggest group. It's this massive wow. orchestra oh and gosh. they just rock out for like a couple hours a day and then they put on a concert. Oh and it's, it's one of the coolest experiences ever to have these kids walk in and they're all shy and they're like, yep, this is my instrument, I play the violin, and then by the end of the day, they're, like, stomping their feet and screaming, but also playing really well. They just have so much confidence. You've yeah. never seen them play that rhythmically before. It's it's very neat. That's awesome. Um, do you think part of 
what makes it enjoyable obviously it's electric but mm -hmm. also the percussion behind it right yes said? yeah that's a huge game changer and you know that's something that I've taken and used in my classroom on a daily basis so if we're doing something that's maybe a little bit drier more technical or we're working on scales or intonation something that they're not super in love with I will put on some of the drum tracks to play along with and that instantly wakes them up they they play better when they're you know listening to the drum beat when they have something rhythmic and repetitive like that. That's so cool. And like, neat. it makes it fun. Like, it, it does. practicing mm -hmm. fun when you do that. It really does. Yeah, yeah they love that. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I started doing that a little bit this year, but mm -hmm. I should probably do it more. Mm -hmm. Because the kids, like, they love it. Yeah. Um, okay, so you're in your third year teaching. Um, just two years ago, you were a first year teacher. Mm -hmm. feels a little crazy. It's crazy, yeah. But what are some of the biggest differences now that you're doing in the classroom. Like, if your first year teacher went into your classroom now, like your first year teacher self saw how you teach now, what would be some of the biggest shocks or takeaways that you would use? Mm. Like, what are, you, what are you doing differently? Well, I know better now which things to let go of and which things to really focus on. Um, I remember when I was a first year teacher, I would, I would focus on certain aspects of the music more than others. Okay. Um, like rhythm was a huge focus for me and my kids when I was a first year teacher. Um, but other musical aspects were secondary. Mm -hmm. And I think now that I'm, um, that I've been in the classroom longer, I'm aware that I shouldn't let those other musical things go as much because... I need to give my kids more credit. They can do the hard, you know, um, tone quality things. They can play better in tune. They can play with more musicality and more expression. I would have let things like that go my freshman yeah. year, and I'm holding my kids and myself to a higher standard now um, than two years ago. That's really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so now we're in – today we're recording on Halloween. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. Um, but we're like kind of getting into the thick of it a little bit. Yes. Uh, how do you feel? How the how did the beginning of the year go for you? This year, the beginning of the year felt amazing. Um, and I'm a firm believer that the the first like two or three days of school are really important to set up your classroom and expectations for the students for the rest of the year. So I I planned and replanned and replanned again my first day like like over and over again. I, that's all I spent my summer thinking about was making sure that the first day was setting up expectations for the entire year. And I feel like the first day of school went really well this year. And therefore, because those expectations were set from the very beginning, students have been falling into those expectations because they know how to behave in the classroom, what to do, where to be, how to respond to certain situations. And, sure. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think the first couple of days are super important. Mm -hmm. Um, and it also really helps um, because I've been around, you know, for the past two years, there's um, kind of a precedent. Like the students, my, sixth, um, um, my seventh graders and my eighth graders know what to expect because they've done this before. Mm -hmm. um, and my sixth graders are seeing the seventh and eighth graders be confident and have a place in the orchestra classroom. So they are falling into that. 
as well. Yeah, Brian feels good to stay at the same middle school the past three years. It is. It's a new position. It's still mm-hmm. the same place. Yes. Yeah. Um, still the same procedure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. At the beginning of your class, how much time do you spend on tuning? Um, it's different for sixth graders uh-huh. as it is for seventh and eighth. So sixth graders, I don't let them tune their own instruments until mm-hmm. about January of Got their it. first year playing. Um, this is something I don't know anything right, about. Right, right. Like, and I've always, you know, I have the same question for you. I'm just yeah. curious how yeah. band people tune their instruments. But the sixth graders usually, um, the big instruments, the cellos and basses, I'll tune those instruments before the kids get there because they're school instruments and oh, they stay in the classroom, sure, so sure. I can do that easily. Yeah. And then violins and violas, I'll have them line up at the beginning of class and I'll just really quickly tune them all. Um, I call it pluck tuning, so I'm not taking time, I'm not using the bow to tune them. I'll just really quickly do it by ear, just so they're not super out of tune. Um, and that's a very rough tuning process. It takes about five minutes and that's... Mm-hmm. That's really the best we can do because our our classes are so short. If I took any more time than that or was any more specific about tuning with that, it would just eat up too much class right. time. Right, yeah. Um, That's what, that was what I was curious about because I know yeah. our classes are pretty short right. at H.H. Pool. Um, and I know it could take a real, like, if you wanted to do it perfectly, I'm sure right. it would take a really it long time. It would take much longer than that. Yeah. Um, and some days I say, all right, we're not going to tune today. Your strings are going to be out of tune, and we're just going to deal with it. Yeah. And they're like, okay, I just have to be all right with the fact that it sounds weird. <laughs> yeah. um, but my 7th and 8th graders, they, they quickly got into the tuning routine, um, and their procedure is they know that as soon as they come into the classroom, they have to sit down, unpack, grab a tuner, an electric tuner off the stand, mm-hmm. And they're, they're contact tuners, so they clip them to their instruments, yeah, and it yeah. picks up the vibration, so it tunes. So they do that, and they, they share those tuners between themselves and the stand partner. And they can usually do that in about 30 seconds. Um, and then as a class, once they're all finished with that, once they've sat down and unpacked and tuned themselves, then we check our open strings. So it gives the students who maybe were late or maybe didn't get a chance to grab a tuner, they can double-check. Um, with the sounds that everybody else's instruments are making and kind of it helps warm up their bow arm too it's just a a very zen way to start the class but it also serves a a purpose yeah yeah because I see orchestra teachers all the time um, spending time at the beginning of class tuning and it's not something that I do a ton of at my two schools during rehearsal but it's two different things right absolutely um i'm i'm we're more checking while we're rehearsing if we Mm -hmm. hear something that's just really out of tune right listen and fix it but i expect my kids to be able to to do right exactly Mm -hmm. yeah two different beasts yep absolutely and this part of the year is the bane of my existence because the weather's changing (laughs) Mm -hmm. and because the instruments are wood they respond to temperature and humidity changes so the pegs are slipping the bridges are slipping it's yeah, it's kind of a mess right now. But once the instruments get used to the cold weather, it will be easier. Yeah, sure. So I, I see that you use your lunch and after school times with mm-hmm. your kids, and it, it really is helping them be successful. Absolutely. And that's something that I don't do now, but mm-hmm. when I get my own program, that's mm-hmm. something I plan on doing is using those times to my advantage. What What do you do during those times? Um. A- bunch of various things and and this was another one of those routine or expectation things that I set up in the beginning of the year having students come in 
you know, on their free time, whether it's before school, after school, or during school, um, letting them know that my classroom was a, either a resource where they could ask me questions about music, you know, maybe it was something that they missed in class or something that they wanted to go over. Maybe it's um, a reach piece for them, something that they are, are striving to work towards that's maybe more difficult than what we're doing in class. Um, they come in and work on all county music, audition stuff so that they can prepare for, you know, e extracurricular musical things. Um, and students sometimes come in and sometimes they ask me questions. Sometimes they'll want me to practice with them and get various practice techniques. But I would say the majority of the time, it, they're just using the classroom as a space to, um, to feel comfortable practicing. I know a lot of them don't feel comfortable practicing at home, whether, you know, their house isn't big enough or they don't want people at home to hear them or maybe they have you know, uh, pets at home that are noisy or siblings that, you know, don't give them their space. Um, but oftentimes you'll see the same kids coming in and they become really good friends with each other and then they'll want to practice with each other. So they're motivating each other. They'll say, oh, oh, can we do that again? And we both messed up. Let's try it again. Let's do it slower and let's use this practice technique. And it's, it's been really beneficial for the students who come in frequently. And I've noticed that those students who make a habit of practicing more um, are the ones who are really making a lot of strides this year, which is, which yeah. is fantastic. It sounds like you're setting up like a community yeah. for them to feel safe in. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's so important in yeah. the music classroom. Mm -hmm. It's like to feel safe. Right. To, so that they take risks mm -hmm. and, and that's how you get better. Right. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So have you noticed a difference like in the classroom too during rehearsal? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Those students who come in um, and spend the time practicing have become leaders in, in the classroom. They become more confident. And um, it's not just a musical change I see in them. It's a personality change too. So they feel comfortable speaking up and, you know, saying, hey, guys, this really worked for me. Um, you should try this. And they're, they're helping each other out, which is really awesome cool all right I have one more question for you mm -hmm. and I ask this to everybody if you could give advice to your first year teacher self what would you say being a first year teacher is a, about taking care of yourself and and not having to prove yourself to anybody um, which I didn't realize until after I was no longer a first-year teacher because, um, and I'm sure you, you experienced this as well, um, it's, you feel like you have to um, go above and beyond to show your worth, especially because you're so much less experienced and so much younger than your colleagues. I was always feeling like, okay, well, if my colleague is doing this, then I have to do this plus this plus this plus this um, and I would spend way too long at school and I would you know do things that were not necessarily the most beneficial for myself or my students just because it made me look good mm -hmm. um, and that was not the healthiest thing for me um, yeah so I should I wish I had told my first year teacher self to take care of myself do what's best for the students and call it a day I feel like I just relate more and more to every answer that you give me. Like, every single one of these questions, like, I'm just totally, like, related yeah. to or been like, oh, my God, that's an amazing point. Like, yeah. Wow. That's, yeah. 
I totally, like, yeah. last year I felt like that, and mm-hmm. even this year I feel like that a little bit, so. Yeah, and that was my second year teacher self, too. Like, yeah. this this year I'm only finally feeling like I'm getting in a groove. Right. It took me a while. Right. Yeah. All right, Kelly. Well, we are not quite done with the interview yet. We have one last session called the rapid fire session. All right. Where, like, I'm just going to ask you questions, and off the top of your head, first thing that you think of, you have to say. Okay. All right. Are I'm you ready. ready? I'm ready. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Favorite Halloween candy? Uh, Reese's. Favorite Halloween movie? Oh, The the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Mm, solid. Yeah. All-time favorite costume that you've worn? Mm, had a bunch. Um... My mom handmade me a medieval gown when I was in <laughs> high school, and it was like this light blue. I still have it. It's yeah, that was a great. When costume. you were in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Yeah. I like this year. You were under arrest. I was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. None of my students could figure it out. It took them a while. <laughs> <laughs> then they thought it was really cool. Like literally, but... like a quarter rest of both. Yeah, my head. it was on my head. Yeah. Um, okay, how many cups of coffee do you drink a day? Oh, way too many. Um, <laughs> between two and three. Okay. Yeah. Do you drink while you're at school? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, I ask this question to a lot of people. Cause well, tell me about your morning routine before school. Um, I hit snooze. Yeah. And then I take a shower first before I do anything else. And then, um, and then what, I make what coffee. You, what time do you hit snooze? Uh, six. Got it. And then I get out of bed like five or ten minutes later. Yeah. Same. Okay. Then I make breakfast and I make coffee and I make lunch. Sometimes breakfast is just frozen waffles and sometimes it's a smoothie, depending on how late <laughs> I'm running that day. Um, and then I pack my lunch and, um... I put on an outfit, and I decide that it looks bad, and then I put on another outfit, and then I leave. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so that's my routine. Like seven thirty. Yes, between seven and seven thirty. Okay. Seven on a good day. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Last question. Okay. This is what we like to call the listener question. All right. So, my listeners came together and thought of this question. Oh boy. Okay. And. The question is, what's your favorite video game? All right. Well, it used to be... Well, I was never a big video game player. Um, I only started playing video games like three years ago. I'm fairly new to the video game realm. I don't like competitive games. I don't like games where you have to go really fast because Mm. then I usually die. Sounds like um, you don't like Mario Kart. I do like oh, Mario okay. Kart as yeah. long as we're not going super fast and as long as the computer is set on easy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a course I've done already. Okay. <laughs> Very specific parameters. <laughs> um, but I am a big fan of the rest of the Mario games. Um, the Mario Run game that came out um, on phones about a year ago. I think that that's really fun. And Super Mario Sunshine is a really old game. Old school old yeah. school that one i Mario like Austin. yeah cool and i'm i'm gonna get into mario odyssey haven't had time this week but it's on my to-do list sweet yeah all right kelly ralston 
Thank you for coming on the Tenuto podcast. That was amazing. Thanks for having me, Kevin Lynch. All right, guys. And I think you can agree with me when I say that Kelly Ralston gave an amazing interview for the podcast. And um, I look forward to working with her more in the future at HH Pool. Guys, I hope you go out there and have an amazing rest of your week. And happy Halloween! <laughs>